We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready to roll, Vince? Always ready to rock. All right. Well, you were in the host side, so I didn't know if you were hosting. Sorry, what? Because you didn't me. put yourself in the host side. Come on, man. There we go. Hey, welcome, everybody. What to would another... you say you do here? <laughs> so that's well, one of my favorite got, scenes from any movie ever. I got thrown by Toe Jam's comment. I'm not going to lie. Before we roll into okay. I got thrown by this. I had no, It says, hello, IB Nation. Uh, rest what? in peace, Ray Liotta. Goodfellas is a legendary movie that will live on forever. That was completely off my radar. I had no idea that Ray Liotta wow. passed. Yeah, it and just happened. That like totally threw me as we were. It was like three, two, one. Ray Liotta died. What? Like I was completely. <laughs> that stinks, man. Wow. That yeah. that is not the news I needed today. Um, but we have other things to talk about today. It is Thursday, and it is May twenty sixth, and it is the third quarter. Of the schedule, and yeah. we are going to chat about the third quarter, what it holds for Notre Dame, what where Notre Dame should be going into the third quarter, and then what the third quarter means to this Notre Dame team and yeah. where it lies. Because, yeah. I mean, frankly, Brian, I don't think Notre Dame, in my personal opinion, Notre Dame should be nothing worse than five and one going into right. the third quarter with right. a lot of momentum. Frankly. This is sort of a defining quarter. And, and before we dive too much into that, I do want to remind people that tonight at 7 o'clock, we will oh. have a second show oh. today. Jaden Lamar is going to decide between Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon, and Arizona. We will carry his decision, talk about what it means for Notre Dame one way or the other, and uh, and just kind of go from there. But when you look at this third quarter, Vince, this is to me, this is going to be the de- the season defining quarter. And I know Right now, all of our focus is on Ohio State, and everybody wants sure. to talk about Ohio State and all this other kind of stuff. And Ohio State's important. Don't get me wrong. A win over Ohio State is huge. There's no question about it. A a blowout loss, which has become kind of sort of become the norm for Notre Dame in such games in the last you know 20 years or so, is bad. There's no spin on that. The 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 response to it however is it is the first game of the year and we have seen a lot of teams lose early in the season 
and sure. still go on to have very good seasons, great seasons, playoff seasons. I, I, I point to Ohio State again. And their championship year, they lost the second game of the year at home by 14 to a Virginia Tech team that went 7-6. and six. Not only made the playoff, but won the national championship. Right, right. So this is the, this is the time of the schedule where it becomes – Okay, who are you as a team? Sure. And and again, it's not so much about Clemson as it is Vince the timing of the game. If you were to switch Clemson and Ohio State, I'd be saying the exact same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's the timing of it because this team is going to evolve. Now, I'm not saying this team is going to improve because that we have to learn all that about a Marcus Freeman hmm? led coaching led Marcus Freeman coached football team. And we can say all we want about how confident we are in this, and we think that, and, and and we all we both agreed that Marcus Freeman was the hire Notre Dame needed to make, but now he's got to prove that. And whether we think he will or won't, no one being objective can say that he doesn't need to prove that. He does need to prove that clearly. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out Trade Coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey Trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And don't forget, 
It's Father's Day coming up, and a trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. And this is the part of the season where that gets proven or, or not. Yeah. And 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 that's the whole point. And so when when you look at this you know, this part of the schedule, this is where you, it's going to get decided. And, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting part of the schedule because you could argue if you break it down into threes and you go sequentially of those threes, this is the, this is arguably the most important point of the season. And and people say, well, no, 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 the finish is more important. Well, it it, it does. If you, the finish doesn't become important until this Sure stage is successful sure, so two and three are successful because if you lose the open Ohio state, or if you lose to a BYU or North Carolina, you have a loss in the first two quarters and you lose a game during this quarter. It, the, the, now it's just about salvaging your season right in the no fourth question. quarter. Yeah. You, you're not a playoff contender until you get through this quarter with one loss or less. Right. That's the key. And that's why I say this is a very, very important part of the schedule. And it's also as part of the schedule where, it starts off rather soft. Sure. With, in my opinion, the worst team on the schedule by far. <laughs> and then there's a bit of a trap game in the middle. And then you've got Clemson. And and so this part of the schedule with UNLV, Syracuse, and Clemson does become a very I mean, because the four and eight Syracuse team not that long ago ended up knocking off a team at home that not only went to the playoff, but was a number one seed. And that was Clemson in 2017. So you never take those grant games for granted, but at the same time, you know, if you're, if you're going to be the team that, that you think you're supposed to be, those are the games you have to win. The, The thing for me, more Vince is more, as we dive into those two opponents, it's more so about what kind of momentum do you build during this portion? Because, you, if you look at the two quarters combined, you know, you've got that, you know, one of the tougher back-to-back games on the schedule in North Carolina and BYU, potentially. Sure. sure. And then it ends with Stanford. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a chance that the Stanford-UNLV-Syracuse stretch is the easiest stretch of the season. Right. Potentially. Sure. So then it gets into, okay, it's not just about winning – but if you're the team that you think you need to be, it's like these need to be not just get right games, but games where you really go out and start to build some rhythm and some momentum. And then carrying that into the final four games, which, you know, if we're to break it into thirds, the final four, third of Clemson, Boston College, and USC is huge for Notre Dame. Sure. That three games before gives you a chance to really build some momentum. So, that's what makes the UNLV stand and, and Syracuse part of the schedule important. And a lot of people want to dismiss it as, oh, they're bad teams. Well, and that's fine, but you, you can win by 20 and still not better yourself as a football team. And that's why there needs to be a focus on those opponents because it's not so much about the opponents per se, but it's about what are the matchups that they present? What are the things that you can learn sure. about your football team? And then what kind of momentum can you build or lose heading into those big games? Because, you know, I'll point to 2015 for an example, Vince. Notre Dame lost a lot of momentum going into Stanford with the way they played against Wake Forest and BC, a pair of three and nine football teams. And I just don't think they, you know, they were sloppy. And what hurt them against Stanford 
sloppy play. You know, Deshaun fumbling late in the first quarter, late first half when Notre Dame's driving after he has a long run. They end up fumbling and don't get points. You know, giving up big plays, missed assignments, things like that. That sloppy stuff hurt you in that game. Missed tackles, things along those lines, it hurt you. Well, that started building before that game. And that's the unique thing about football that I think really needs to be focused on. And that's why we like to look at these things holistically rather than just taking the four top opponents and acting like that's the entire season. That's how the season is defined. But when it comes to building your team, Vince, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, checking off the box of, okay, we beat UNLV, we beat Stanford, we beat Syracuse. I will will say as we have kind of dove in a little bit more, you know, into these quarters and the way that the schedule is made up. You've got to give a lot of credit to Jack Swarbrick and the manner in which this schedule is put together, because when you break it up into quarters, they're very manageable quarters. I mean, there's obviously a big game, I think, in every quarter. Um, and, and then there's kind of like a second tier game, I think, in every quarter. And then there's like kind of a, hey, we need to take care of business game in every quarter. Like I I really like the way it's set up. In, in the past, some of the schedules that Notre Dame had was so front loaded. Like they had all of their tough mm-hmm. games up front. And then the rest of the season was just like, eh, you know, they mm-hmm. need to be taking care of business the rest of the way. And their season was almost over if they happened to lose a couple of those games up right. front. You know what I mean? And so right. – the way this schedule is set up, I just really like the way that it flows. I like where the buy is. I mean, there, there's just so much of it. And I realize some of it is out of Jack's control, but a lot of it is. the ACC has to help as well. Correct. Absolutely. And so I really like the way Jack has put together this schedule. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much Brian Kelly had to do with it. I'm sure he had his input. And so I'll give credit there as well. But I just like the way that this schedule lines up from the where the big – uh, opponents are where the buy is all of the above i just i just really like i said there's been schedules in the past where you're like what were they thinking with the way that they set this up this one sets up very nicely it does it does and and you know there's enough of a test in this schedule where you do have three potentially four yeah. really good teams maybe it jumps up to five or six if north carolina and boston college are the teams we can be maybe it goes up to seven if stanford's the team that we think they can be you know there's all there's so many parts that go into this that you say hey look boy th- th- this is a this is a challenging schedule but it's also one in which you say it's built in a way to your point, Vince, that, that it's, it's manageable and and it gives you a lot of building games. And that was the difficult part. And I love your reference to to the earlier back before Jack Swarbrick really sort of changed the way that the schedules put together. I mean, you you know, just go, it's like I was putting, so I was going through and just uh, doing some research and, and just build it, creating some things to kind of, be able to have better search data. So like I'm going through like the, you know, starting with Lou Holtz going back and looking at the, the, the teams that Notre Dame played and then the Davy era, the Willingham through the Kelly era, you know, what were teams ranked when they played, what were teams ranked at the end of the season, all that kind of stuff. And you look at some of these schedules, especially in the nineties, it's like they were purposely yeah. trying to screw Notre Dame, the football program over in the nineties. I mean, it was, it was really bad. And to be honest with you, I thought Bob Davy got the worst of it. I, I, I mean, just some of the early season schedules he had were just a little bit like, you got to be kidding me. Like 1999, yeah, they played Kansas in the opener, but after that it was 
you know, Michigan at Michigan, who was a top 10 team at Purdue, who was ranked at Michigan or home against Michigan State, who was ranked. Then you got Oklahoma at home, the Arizona State, USC, Navy at Tennessee, at Pittsburgh, home against Boston College at Stanford. I mean, other than Navy, that's nothing but power five teams. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, boy, I mean, again, Bob Davey was a bad coach. It made it even worse, which is why they went five and seven. But still, I mean, Lou Holtz, I mean, Brian Kelly, a lot of coaches would have had a tougher time working through that schedule. And that was kind of the thing that that I thought doomed Lou Holtz at times when they would have some of those losses where you're like, what? They lost a they lost to that team. And it's just like because there's this constant you always have to be up, you always have to be up that right. you're you're gonna sometimes have those letdown games, you know, like Stanford in nineteen ninety-two and you know, Tennessee in, in nineteen ninety-one, where you kind of fade down the stretch and lose to you know, lose to those teams. And it, it just, it, it's hard to get up every single week for those teams. And, you know, it, 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 um, it this is a much, this is a much more manageable skill. It it's, it's, it's still a little soft in my opinion, to be honest with you. I mean, if you base it off of what these opponents were last year, the combined record of Notre Dame's opponents is 73 and 76. I mean, your schedule has a combined losing record. It's still a little softer than I think a Notre Dame schedule should be. But that's not also necessarily their fault. I mean, Stanford went 3-9, and nine, USC went 4-8. and eight. I mean, right. what are you supposed to do about that? Schedule right. Alabama because USC sucks and, and hope that this isn't the year that USC gets it back on track and you have to face USC I mean, you have schedule so far and Alabama. Right. You just don't know what right. teams are going to be eight so years it's, it's, Yeah, it's not their fault when two of the regular teams on your opponent that for right. years were considered, one of them was going to be good. I mean, there was always a time. There was times when USC wasn't that good early in Kelly's tenure, but Stanford was really good. Right. Right. So you can't say, well, you know, you know, Kelly feasted on, you know, USC being bad early in his tenure. Oh, okay. But Stanford was one of the five to seven best teams in the country during that schedule. I mean, during that time. So you can't, and then when USC had good years, Stanford was down. And there was a couple times during Kelly's tenure where USC was good and Stanford was pretty decent. Right. You know, 2017, it wasn't a vintage Stanford team, but they were a nine-win team. That's still a quality football team. And USC won 11 games. Right. The problem is the last couple years they've both the, the last couple times they've played both, they both stunk. And that's cheapened the schedule a little bit, but there's nothing that you you can't fault Notre Dame for that because you, you can't assume that, that they're both gonna stink at the same time. Well, and it's also unfortunate that one of those teams is at the last weekend of the schedule. Right. And you when you're trying to you know, there's right. times where Notre Dame's trying to make a statement and that last game because they don't have the conference championship game and all of that, right? So they're trying to make a statement, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, we're playing this turd team, and they're just not very yep. good. You know, That doesn't do Notre Dame any favors, you know what yep. I mean, from a standpoint going down the stretch. Agree. Yep. I, I look at it, Vince, and I, I, I'm going to get to the point now where it's like, okay, let's dive into this part of the schedule. But do I do think it is smart, and you see Ohio State does it, Alabama does it, Clemson has no choice but to do it because of the conference that I play in. But all the all the top teams schedule smartly. They 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 as best they can break up their big games, and that's why you see so many of these SEC teams schedule FCS teams late in November. Usually, a lot of times right before their rivalry games because they understand. Look, you can't just grind for thirteen weeks, right? And I say thirteen weeks because you normally have a buy. Sometimes it's fourteen weeks. You know, sure. if, if you're if you have one of those weird schedules, a double buy. where you start the season early, right? Like, like Nate, uh, Northwestern starts 
the week week zero they call it right because they're playing in Ireland. Well, they have two buys next year with the Ireland thing, aren't they? Mm, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I'd have to go. I'd have to look and see when that game past, is when they've played Ireland or in yeah. Ireland. They've they've done it a week ahead of time, so they right. have. You know, right? I'll I'll look actually right now because right. I I think there's one more team that they're still trying to fill. Let me see four, five, six, and they have all twelve. So they are playing that week zero. And then they also have a game in week one. That's the Tennessee State game. Then they have a bye. Then Central Michigan. Then Ohio State. So they'll have they'll have time to get caught up. And then they have another bye. They got the double bye. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, actually, they, I don't know if that's not necessarily true because there are four to be announced games. So I'm not actually not sure about that. As I look through it now, yeah, four of the ACC games have yet to be announced. Gotcha. So you don't know where those so, are don't know where those are, how those are going to fall into place. Sure. We'll have sure. to see how that goes. But anyway, let's dive into these opponents, Vince, because I think the first game, and we we don't spend a whole lot of time on you know me. Why not? I mean, it, it look, this needs to be a game where by halftime it's over and you've got your backups in the second half. And yeah. you're getting and, and what the, the point of that game is is not just padding stats and all the point is that is a game where you have to be able to get your starters a lot of time on the bench mm-hmm. where they can rest. And it's a ch- also a chance where you can get a lot of your number twos, not just your young guys that aren't that are for next year, but your number twos, right? That's got to be a chance to kind of get those guys some serious work. So uh, that that's really the ultimate goal in that game is the the, er, the how do you define success against a team like you know It's twofold. Number one, you got to win, right? right? Number two is you just define it success by how quickly can you get your starters out of the game? Sure, and and that, then- that, that's it to me. Yeah, and and look, and there's there's a perception of 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 what you should score against a team like UNLV, right? Or or the margin, and you know some of that can be explained away if you've got some of your young guys in there and they give up a touchdown or or, or whatever, right? But there it needs to be the the product on the field needs to be a dominant product from Notre Dame in the first half. Like it, it just they need to leave no doubt, if you will, and and. Yeah, the final score could be lopsided. It should be lopsided. But if it's not completely lopsided, and as long as the starters aren't coming back in, you know what I mean? Like, it needs to be a dominant product on the field for the first half. You're at home. They're coming to you. They're not a good football program. You need to take care of your business in the right way, not only so those other guys can get in the game, but because if you're going to be a top team, then you need to be a top team. You know what I mean? We see it all the time with Alabama and Ohio State. And Clemson, they they blow teams out of UNLV's caliber. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame needs to do that, right? Yep. And it's not a running up the score situation. It's a hey, we possess the ball, we're scoring the ball. Like that, that is what it is, and we're going to turn you over. And if that leads to points, then great. But it just needs to be a dominant performance by Notre Dame if they're going to be considered a top echelon team. They can't. It can't be you know, uh, a game where they squeak by and still get the win. That that can't be this game. It has to be domination for me. And 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 that's how I feel about games like UNLV. If you're going to be considered up here, then you need to take care of your business with the, the lower level teams. Yeah, and that's 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 got to be it. And, and this isn't any disrespect to UNLV. No, and, and, I, and I know the program wants to be better. And and hopefully, I mean, I, I don't like I wish they were better, but they're just they're not. I mean, you, you look at their two wins last year. They beat New Mexico and they beat Hawaii late. They did have a, a close loss to San Diego State late, but then they, you know, close loss to San Jose State, close loss to Utah State, close loss to Texas San Antonio, who are all decent teams. 
They got blown out by Arizona State. They got blown out by Iowa State. They got blown out by Air Force. Right. Uh, blown out by Nevada. I mean, this isn't a good football team. Right. And there, there's no, there's, there's, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not a good football team. Is it what it is, man? Yeah. Like this is like Marshall. Like I said, like Mar- there's a difference like a Marshall and a UNLV, right? Like you could say, well, Marshall didn't play any Power Five teams. Okay, so like if you replace and that and, and I got your point. This isn't a pushback. No, but like if, you, I, if you took if you took the Power Fives off of uh, their schedule and gave them two games that they can win, they're 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 four and eight instead of two and ten. That's still bad, right? Right. If if and, if I was gonna have Marshall versus UNLV. I've yeah. got my money on the thundering. Right. And, and that was my whole point about like, you know, no Marshall's not the worst team on the schedule or even in the conversation for it. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's, this is bad, right? Like the goal should against Marshall should be the same against UNLV when, and how quickly can you get your starters off the sure. field? Absolutely. Right? It's true in both games, but this one, it's even more necessary for two reasons, Vince. Number one, the Marshall game does happen early. And so early, it's like, okay, you you actually kind of want to leave your starters in a little sure. bit longer to get them some time together. Agreed. So maybe you take it into the fourth quarter, or the first series of the fourth quarter, if you have a big lead. Hopefully you have a big lead. Sure. But against UNLV, this is game seven, Vince. Correct. Right? Like you kind of have an idea of who you are. October. Like once yeah. you're in October, you yeah. better know who you are at this point. Right. Like we, we, like, and we talked about it in the last show. You, after six games – we're going to have a pretty good idea of who Notre Dame is. And right. this is seven, right? So, right. yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. It's like if, if let's say Tyler Buckner wins a starting quarterback job, which we expect, and, and he has played most of the snaps for six games, I mean, even I'm coming in at halftime and I'm pulling Tyler Buckner and playing Drew Pine. Because even for if I'm going to put my the rest of my starting offense on the field for a series or two, I want to have my backup quarterback get some snaps with the it's first team. opportunity for that. Right. But it, it it can't do that if it's twenty four to fourteen, right? Right. It, right. It's gotta be. It's right. gotta be convincing. It's something that we have wanted for a long time. When it comes to whoever the number two quarterback is or was, we haven't seen it enough, in my opinion, of where the number two quarterback comes in with the rest of the number one offense, and you're running the offense, not handing the ball off in garbage time. That doesn't matter to me. You or I could go in and hand the ball off. That that is not a complicated thing, right? right? That doesn't help you get used to throwing the ball to certain guys and and reading defenses and all of those things. This is a game where if you want to keep your your ones in for a couple series in the second half, or even to be honest with you, depending on how the game's going, the last couple series of the second quarter, right? right. I want the start the second yes. quarterback in with the first team running the offense. That's what I, I want. I, I don't know if if in game seven I would do it in the first half okay. at quarterback, at quarterback, be, simply because of it is still Tyler Buckner's first year. Vince, if he was like a returning starter, so you got more belt, more starter. yeah, right. Does, does that make sense? Like I, yeah. in theory, I I I don't disagree with you. Yeah, uh, we saw Clemson do that in twenty nineteen. Like there was a uh, was it or was it was it twenty twenty, twenty nineteen? No, it was twenty twenty. Early in the year, I think like second game of the year, they were playing an FCS team, and they put in DJ Ui Alunglele. It's my best shot at it, and like first quarter, late first quarter, early second, something like that. Like to your point, like that's been done before, and I'm not against it at all. It's just I I think that in this instance, since it will just be start, hopefully number seven for Tyler Buckner. I mean, hopefully meaning he didn't get hurt. Right, right. I don't know if I would go there just yet. 
But what you're saying is the same principle that I am saying, which is the halftime. So we're off by a couple series. And that's that putting right. hairs. But yes. But, right. But I, I will say this. I do agree with that with other positions. Like in the middle of the game, when the game is somewhat still in doubt, you know, get if, if Tobias Merriweather's only been getting 10, 15 snaps a game up to this point, I'm getting them in early. Sure. If Jadarian Price is only getting a couple carries a game because the other guys are playing better, I might get him in a series early, let him run behind that line first series of the second quarter, something like that. You right. know, like those are the those are the places. If Josh Burnham's been playing for you and you've burned his, his red shirt's gone, right? I may get him in on some some pass rush snaps or Aiden Gobira or Tyson Ford. Really good idea by game seven what your red shirt situation right. is. Right. You know I mean? So I would rotate those guys in a little, like one at a time, one or two at a time, right? I'm not doing the mass substitutions where yep. you've got your backup offensive line, your starting quarterback in the second quarter. I'm not talking yep. about that. But I do think those are games, and that that is definitely true of Marshall. Like, I don't even think that needs to be until game seven. Like, the, I would work in those guys' second quarter of the opener, of, well, the, of the opening think, home game. Guys situation. that you think are going to have a role. Right. Maybe it's not an expanded role right. yet. But if it's a, if you see them getting on the field, right. it, you know, I don't want to say crunch time, but in a game situation, right. get them some more time. Absolutely. Because the point you're making, Vince, is we're not talking about getting guys one of their four games in in the first half. Right. Right. The red shirt guys are going to play four games. No, no, no. Wait till the second half for that. We're talking about guys that are not red shirts that maybe haven't got a chance to play a ton that you think can really help you down the stretch or the 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 end of quarter three. Right. When you play Clemson. Uh, or give you or secure your depth a little bit. So it's more those guys is what I'm talking about, as opposed to like a let's get you know your freshman offensive lineman who you're only going to play four games in the game. That's not what we're talking. That's I'm, that's I'm, that's key for this game, Vince. But that's third, fourth quarter right. stuff. I'm talking more like uh, for right. example, maybe Junior Tuiyalamaka. If he if he is if like he's not starting by then. Oh, right. Granted, right. But if he's pushing, pushing, pushing. Right. Guess what? This is a great opportunity. Hey, right. you're you're pushing our starter right now. Right. Let's see what you got. And he's in there right. with the starters like that. 100%. That's the example that came to my head, you know, as a guy that could be that guy. That's what this game needs to be about. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to do that. And, and yeah. you're going to know a lot about your team, about whether you're able to handle that. Because that also that also results in get in a little bit more events of that. That's got to include some more reps that we can practice too. Sure. You know, not, not a ton, but, you know, like if that's going to be because that's your if you're going to do that, Vince, it's your plan going in. It's not like, a, well, we'll see how it goes you know, and play it by ear, you, you you prepare for that going into the game. Now, not the way they did it for Ball State in 2018, where they literally were given the third string, like, number one reps. That, right. that no. That's not, yeah. Uh, in week two, and, you know, right. it, it, this is a different situation. Right. So, right. that's what the UNLV game is about. And then, of course, the final key to UNLV game is come out of it healthy. Like those, those are always the biggest right. fears with games like that is come out of it healthy. And and then you get into quarter two. Now this is an interesting game, Vince, because from a pure matchup standpoint, Syracuse doesn't scare me, but it is a game where if you're not locked in, this could be a more challenging game than people think. It could be a lose momentum game. Sure. And here's why I say that: they have it. The, it's going to be at the Carrier Dome which is a very unique atmosphere than what these kids have ever played in. Just the whole, from what I'm told, like looks different. The playing surface is different. 
the 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 vision i mean we've heard this in, from basketball players for years like it's hard to shoot free throws in the carrier dome because it's such a different view it just it's deeper it's just it's the backboard and it's just like never ending right it, it, it right with you and your and, and anything is true in football right and so this is this is what i like this is why I want them to not move the game away from the carrier dome. Cause I want them to have sort of that mentally challenging experience. Sure. Right. But here's the other part of it is, you know, Syracuse is not a super talented team. I do like Dino Babers as a coach. I, he's been disappointing the last few years, but I really felt like last year Syracuse became a much more competitive team at times. And then they would fade. Like you know, they, they, they took Florida state, they beat Liberty, which is a big win beat my former boss, who's at Albany, took Wake Forest down to the wire, took Clemson down to the wire, lost those two games by combined six points. Then they go on the road and beat Virginia Tech. Then they beat Boston College by 15. That was with Phil Dracovic having have just come back. So it's not – you can't even, like, blame it on them not having to fill. Now, he wasn't 100%, but he played in, they, you know, in that game. And then you go out and use your, lose your last three games to Louisville, NC State, and Pitt, and, and not one of them was competitive. So it's like all that momentum, they were starting to build three straight three-point losses and then two back-to-back big wins for them. And then, yeah. but the reality is, is this is a decent football team. And the biggest thing about it is this. They got a really good running back coming back in Sean Tucker. If you remember him, he's the kid, Vince, that rushed for that. Like It was like an 80-some-yard touchdown against Notre Dame's back. Yeah, I remember years that. Ago. Yeah, I remember that. Really quality back. They've got a pretty good offense, and Ryan talked about this recently. They've got a pretty good offensive line coming back, a pretty physical offensive line coming back, and they have a very mobile quarterback in Garrett Schrader. Now, he's not he wasn't much of a passer last year, but this is a kid. The interesting thing about him is this is a kid, Vince, that, that has started games in the SEC. Hmm. He began his career at Mississippi State and started as a true freshman at Mississippi State, started multiple games against Mississippi State. If this in 2019, he threw for 238 yards. If you remember that LSU Mississippi State game in 19, LSU eventually wore, wore him out and won by 23. But Mississippi State kept it close for a while. Garrett Schrader was running around and made some plays in that game. Yeah. So this is a kid that's got a lot of experience. I think last year it took him a while to kind of find himself as a passer, and he never really did. Yeah, I mean, three of his last four games that he didn't even have a hundred yards passing. He did go 17 to 24 for two seventeen and two touchdowns in the last game against Pitt, but the kid can run. He had three games with at least 137 yards rushing, including against Florida state and wake forest. He had 174 against Virginia tech. He had 78 against BC 70 against North NC state 53 against Liberty 42 against Albany. This is a kid that can hurt you with his legs. And what's the one kryptonite that we've always talked about? This Notre Dame team. Is now, again, until they prove us otherwise, we can't just assume because there's new coaches. It's going to be because it was a problem for uh, Bob Diaco. It was a problem for everything. Was a problem for Brian Van Gorder. Uh, it was a problem for Mike Elko. It was a problem for Clark Lee. It was a problem for Marcus Freeman. And until Al Golden proves that he has an answer for it. It's going to be a problem. You know, we have to consider this as a problem when talking about matchups. Absolutely. It's one of the things where, do I expect Notre Dame to lose this game? No, I'd be shocked if Notre Dame loses this game. But could Syracuse maybe make this a little bit more challenging than than you sure. than you hope it to be? Absolutely, well, and, there, and that's the concern. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of how do I want to say this? Um, it's an away game. It's at a weird place. It's against a team who's got some weapons. You know, and and again. 
I, I, I'm with you. I do not expect Notre Dame to lose this game in any way, shape, or form. They should be 7-1 and one going into the Clemson game. I fully anticipate that being the case. But there, there's just – and depending on injuries and all of those things that you can't predict, there, there's just a lot of um, weirdness about going to Syracuse. It's not – you know, there, there's nothing – around Syracuse there's not I mean and again the Carrier Dome's a weird place there's just a lot of things um that are strange about this game and that's why it can be a trip-up game this is why it can be a, it, it fits the definition of a trap game right and again I think you said this in the last show or maybe the show before that a trap game doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna lose but a trap right. game can knock you off of your pedestal and knock you lose off lose that momentum momentum that yeah. you're on and by golly, Notre Dame needs the momentum going into the Clemson game. They do. I mean, because you you look at 20 – you're 100% right. You look at 2015, Vince. Notre Dame turned the ball over five times against BC, including three times inside the 10-yard line, and still won, Yeah. right? Because yeah. BC was terrible. Notre Dame had one of its worst offensive performances in years against Wake Forest and still won by 21, right? Like, those were bad teams. That's like the third time I've thrown that pen out of my hand during the show. Um <laughs> But it's like, there you go. Um, but you still won those games and won them convincingly, but you lost momentum in those back-to-back games. Your perception took a hit. You lost momentum. You got out of rhythm of what made you, you know, effective. And so, you know, if you if you can go into Syracuse and that, that's I mean, confidence is part of it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not that's part of it. Agree with you. I'm more looking for it from a from a timing and cohesion, like, boy, we're just really clicking, you know, it's like, it's more, so it's like, if, if Vince, I, we've all played sports, right? Whether it's at a practice or in a game, you're playing basketball, right? And you're just, man, I don't know what it is, but it's like, everything feels good. Like it, baseball is that way for me sometimes. Yeah, like, absolutely. Man, when I was pitching, like, I just felt, man, I felt good. I just, I feel like, man, this is something that, you know, I, I can, I, I just, man, I can just put this ball wherever I want. I'm right. throwing easy gas. Like I've just, and then you have that one inning where you're like, Oh, oh, that doesn't feel right when you know, and you and you lose it. Yep. And sometimes you can get it back. Some, yeah. Sometimes you can't. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's the same thing with a football game. When you lose that momentum, that cohesiveness, that that sharpness, and you start to maybe doubt yourself, or you're like, right. well, gee, that's weird, or we got to fix that, or whatever. All of a sudden, it's like, but it can be hard to get that back. And that's what a game like Syracuse is. Yeah. I'm not so much concerned. I think Notre Dame's past that again. Marcus Freeman needs to prove that he could do what Brian Kelly did. Like that's the that's the thing for Marcus Freeman. At, at minimum, minimum, he's got to at least repeat what Brian Kelly did. And what did Brian Kelly do? He beat the teams he's supposed to, sure. to beat. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give yeah. you a stat, Vince. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a stat. In Brian Kelly's 12 years at Notre Dame. They went 19 and 29 against teams that finished ranked in the top 25. That's in 12 years. So that's 48 games. In his 11 years at Notre Dame, Lou Holtz's teams went 31, 23, and 2 against top five teams or top 20 teams that finished in the top 25. Now, here's where Brian Kelly really, 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 really dominated. In his in his years. Notre Dame went 93 and 12 against teams that finished the year unranked. And if you go through his his tenure, it had been a while since Notre Dame had lost to a team that finished the season unranked. And and I, I think it was actually 2016 
was the last time that happened, that they lost a game to a team that finished ranked uh, or, um, excuse me, unranked. And I, and I don't even think teams were, yeah, even teams that all the teams they lost to were ranked when they played them and finished ranked. You'd have to go back to 2016 for that abysmal season to Navy. Navy 2016. That was the weekend we got Rita. That's how long ago that was, <laughs> right? Because I've told you the story. I told Angela she was working at a. We had our dog had passed away that summer, and and my wife needed some dog time, so she was volunteering at the local shelter, and I was going to Jacksonville from there. I said, "Do not bring a dog home." And of course, she brought Rita home. So anyway, um, that's how much pull I got in my house, and I'm glad she didn't listen to me because I love that girl. But anyway. <clears throat> That's a long time since Notre Dame lost to an unranked opponent, right? Like, say whatever you want about Brian Kelly. That's that's where the program got significantly better than it was yep. under previous coaches. Yep. Because in yep. a lot of those 12 losses happened in his first five, six years when he was building the program up. Right. You look at you look at he went 93 and 12. Charlie Weiss against unranked teams went 34 and 15. Ty Willingham went 13 and six. Bob Davey went 30 and 11. Lou Holtz went 69 and seven. So if you look at Kelly's record against ranked opponents, he was very similar to what Charlie and Davey was, right? Uh, excuse me, uh, Ty and, da- and and Charlie were like Char Char or Davey. Charlie was bad against ranked teams. Charlie went one and 12 against teams that finished ranked. Ty mm-hmm. went eight and nine. Davey went five and 14. Kelly is 19 and 29. It's very similar to them against ranked teams, but here's where he was way better. And this is why Brian Kelly should be defined as a good coach. Right. Absolutely. Right. Not, not a great coach, but a significantly better coach than before because he got to the program 93 and 12 against unranked opponents compared to 34 and 15 for Charlie, 13 and six for Ty and 30 and 11 for, for Bob Davey. Right. And, and so you've got to at least continue to be that. You can't afford to have the slip up there. The question now is, can you take it to where he, what he could do, which is to beat the top, the top 25 team. And that's where a game like this is where you learn something about Marcus Freeman and the staff, because it's the second road game, but it's the, 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 the second road game against a non big opponent. Cause the BYU game to me is not a road game. That's a neutral site game. It's right. in Las Vegas. It's a shamrock series. So it's essentially right. a Notre Dame home game as far as all the pop- pretty much. Pretty much. Ohio State's a road game. Carolina's a road game. But this is is third. The first one you're going to be ready for. I mean, mentally ready for. The North Carolina game, I don't see Notre Dame overlooking because they're a good opponent. They're going to be potentially ranked in the top 25. This is the game where maybe you overlook your opponent. Right. And and so this is the game that we learn, okay, what is this Notre Dame? This is another one of those. What is the leadership of this football team going right. to be like? Absolutely. And, and that's another takeaway from this game. So, yes, it's about the momentum. It's about – it's about, you know, continue to grow as a team. It's about, you know, getting ready for Clemson and all that. But it's also about how locked in can you be on your football team. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it, the schedule sets up nicely because I really like the fact that the week before they play Notre Dame, Sy- Syracuse has to play at Clemson. Oh. So you're going to be – the Clemson stuff a week later is going to be really fresh in your mind. But it gives you a measuring stick, in my opinion, about about – where you are compared to, to to Clemson and all that, those are just some of the little side nuggets of this game. But then the final piece, Vince, is can you finally show that you can go out and show slow down a, a mobile quarterback? 
that's going to be another key for this game. Sure, absolutely. Now, let me ask you from a coach's standpoint, does it ever worry you when you've got a team that you're preparing for who who's, you know, subpar to par, whatever, and they happen to be playing that team that you're playing the next week who's really good, mm-hmm. and that's the film you're watching. Like, that's a, a lot of the film that you're watching is them playing that team that you're playing next yeah. week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Players are like looking at the other team as opposed to the team. Absolutely. 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 No question. And that's why I say, like, that's why this game concerns me, you know, compared to North Carolina, compared to because like Ohio State, all your folks, no one's worried about Marshall. Game one. Right. In North Carolina, it's it's you've got to buy the next week. There's there's it that's the game to worry about. And they gave you a test last year. So you're gonna be ready for that one. This one's different because you got the big boy coming right next week. Absolutely. And and you're going to spend the whole week watching film of that team. Exactly. And and so yeah, I think that's a really good point, Vince. It's a really good point. You know, but that goes back to, you know, what I had said earlier and I wasn't thinking about this. So you definitely put something in, in my mind that I, I wasn't thinking of when I said it, but it falls under that category of this is where you learn what kind of leadership you have as a football team. And whenever you and I talk about leadership, we're always talking about player leadership. Because at the end of the day, that's what's got to be strong. You listen to the nineteen the players that played in the 1988 team. Lou Holt set a standard of this is the excellence that we demand. Yeah. But the reason that it, it worked isn't because he set it and demanded it and was hard on the practice. It's because the captains of those teams dem- lived it and demanded it. Now, you may not like it, but we got something bigger in mind here, right? And, and that's something that, to me, um, I – you learn a lot. These are the games you learn a lot about your football team. And if you don't play well, it doesn't define you. It doesn't mean, Oh gee, you're not a great team because I mean, we could go back to that 1988 team and there were some, some ugly wins that 1988 year. Cause it's like you said, it's hard to get, it's hard to get locked in. I mean, they beat a, the week before Miami. And this is to your point, Vince. I think this is a great example is a week before they played Miami. They played a, a not very good Pittsburgh team and won 30 to 20. But if you remember, it was kind of an ugly game. You know, it wasn't a super, super pretty game. And, you know, you were thinking about Miami, right? I mean, you you beat Navy, that a three and eight Navy team that year, you beat them 22 to seven, right? It was an ugly game. You beat a five and six Penn State team, 21 to three, a little sloppy win. But what did that team do every time after that? They bounced back and, and, dominated the big they were able to rise to the occasion because it's not so much that you play perfect football but are you at least focused are you at least locked in are you at least not avoiding getting into the bad habits it's not so much that you've got to go out and win by 50 right it's the momentum is more about it's it's more about the cohesion it's about are you staying are you staying true to your preparation are you staying true to your discipline are you staying true to the things that makes you who you are because every team's going to have an up and down performance. I mean, one of the best teams I ever saw in my lifetime was that 01 Miami team. And and they had a couple games where you're like, uh, boy, they they almost lost that one. I think it was like two, I think it was 2001 is when they had that crazy Ed Reed return fumble for a touchdown to help them beat BC. You know, I mean, that was a pretty competitive game. Beat yeah. BC 18 to 7. Right. I mean, that was a team you'd look at the schedule, you're thinking, well, BC's not the team that's going to have a better shot to beat them than Syracuse. So I think, I think McNabb was on. No, McNabb wasn't on that team. He was already in the NFL. But okay. that was a good, a highly ranked Syracuse team. 
You beat number 12, Washington, 65 to 7. You beat number 14, Florida State, 49 to 27. You beat Penn State, 33 to 7. Then, of course, they killed Nebraska in the title game. But BC gave them a run for their money. Why? Because, you know, you can't always be, you can't be on every single week when you play decent teams. But just because you didn't play well doesn't mean you lose momentum. You lose momentum, Vince, because you get out of your rhythm. You, you lose your yeah, discipline. Exactly. You lose your focus. You lose all those kind of things. And that's the key. And you need that. I'm going to segue this one like a champ. You need that because going into that next week, you've got to bring your A game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, Clemson, I don't know if this is not going to be 2018 Clemson. Agreed. It's not. Agreed. It's not probably going to be 2016 Clemson, but it's going to be better than last year's Clemson. And this is the game, Vince, that whether you're, you know, eight, seven and one, eight and oh, whatever the case may be, this is a big game for Notre Dame. It's a big game in two aspects, and we talked about this in the original show, I believe. Maybe you and I just talked about it, and we forgot to bring it up in the show. It all kind of bleeds together. Uh, But not only is it a big game for 2022, for all the reasons we talked about before, you know, this is the game you overcome a potential loss earlier. Uh, This is the game where if you're undefeated, you solidify your top four. Because if they're undefeated coming into this game, they're in the top four. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if the this is going to be the first Saturday, November, so I would imagine there has been at least one college football playoff ranking coming out by that point in time. I think so eight, does that sound right? Or am I just making things up? It'll be week nine, but like it's, I mean, but it's usually out. like late October, okay. usually. Okay. But it also depends on you know how many buys and when the season starts. It's like all that kind of weird stuff. So, I mean, usually Notre Dame will have eight games under their belt. There's usually at least four rankings, four to five rankings, right? So there's probably been at least one college football playoff ranking. And Vince, you may, want, may, may look up, see if they have it on there when the rankings come out. But you may have at least one college football playoff ranking. If you are in the top four, then this game solidifies it. If you're outside of the top four because you have a loss, this is the kind of game that allows you to jump way in there, Mm -hmm. right? Because even if Clemson isn't what they've been, they're still going to be pretty good, in my opinion. Like this version of Clemson, in my opinion, is going to be better than last year's version of Clemson. I I truly believe that. I, I don't have, you know, evidence of it per se, 
I know there's a lot of Clemson fans that are kind of flipping out about, you know, who they hired and a bunch of, you know, guys that don't have reputations and all that. And, you know, Dabo's kind of banking on it. But the reality is, is their schedule coming into this game is pretty easy. Well, if we're being honest, I will also say looking at the rest of Clemson's schedule, this is by far their biggest game of the year. Hundred by big time, not even close. Not close. I mean, if we're going to talk strength of schedule and all of that, and again, I'm not necessarily holding it against Clemson because they're in the ACC and they have to play ACC games, but their non-conference is Furman, Louisiana Tech, and South Carolina, and then Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame. And I mean, again, the Notre Dame game is by far their biggest. Uh, their biggest test. So I, even if, I mean, if, if Syracuse, I'm Syracuse, if Clemson goes 11 and one and they lose to Notre Dame, they're going to have all of the conversation that was surrounding Notre Dame about strength of schedule, in my opinion. They'll, they'll, and they'll probably be out. It, yeah, right. That's what it I'm de- saying. It depends on the, yeah, it depends on the quality of the game. It depends right. on two things. Number one, Call the game, and then how much do they dominate everybody else? Yeah, I don't think it's a guarantee. Here's the interesting: I don't think it's a guarantee that Clemson's undefeated when they come play Notre Dame. Okay, and, and because there's there's NC State supposedly is going to be good this year. Now, for me, I'm, I need to see Dave Dorn show me he can put together two seasons, good seasons in a row. He hasn't shown yeah. he can do that yet. But like one good year, and then they have high expectation next year, and they falter. It, he, I wonder if him and Matt Campbell have a lot in common, right? Where Matt Campbell's on a lot of good things at Iowa State, but the one year that they had high expectations, they kind of they faltered. Did. Yes, they did. And we've seen that with NC State as well. You got Boston College, which well, you got well, it's you got you got NC State at home, but then it surrounded yeah. the NC State game. You've got Wake Forest on the road. Now, Clemson has dominated Wake Forest. Like that's just a bad matchup for Wake Forest. But that's still a good Wake Forest football team. Like that's a dangerous Wake Forest football team. But then you have at Boston College, which you and I don't think is going to be a cakewalk. Sure. And then you're at Florida State. And that, to me, is the biggest wild card on their schedule. Because I just don't know what Florida yeah. State's going to be. They've got a lot of athletes coming back. They've now gotten even rid of more and more of the attitude problems that are there. They recruited better this past year. Still not anywhere close to vintage Florida State, but they're recruiting better. You know what? And it's the it's the it's the combination of that plus it's coming off of a tough three game stretch beforehand of at Wake, home against NC State, at BC. Are they kind of overlooking that as they also start to kind of look ahead a little bit? If they're undefeated, do they start peeking ahead at what's coming down the road, or is Florida State still big enough of an opponent where they're locked in? Th- th- those are all questions about Clemson, but. At worst, in my opinion, they'll have one loss at worst. Because, and the reason I say that, Vince, is even if their offense is as bad as it was last year, there's no Georgia on the schedule. Right. And and some of the teams that they lost to last year, they lost on the road. Like, I just don't see them being that bad. You know, but even like last year, they lost at NC State in overtime. They get NC State at home. Last year they lost at Pitt. Well, Pitt doesn't have Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison anymore. That's not a problem. They and Pitt? huh? Do they have Pitt on their schedule? I don't remember seeing Pitt. No. Yeah. No, that- it was a crossover game. Yeah. Like other division game. Yeah. Uh, but they would have to potentially play Pitt in the ACC in the championship game. Sure. Which they have done before. So you look at it and you say, you know, even as bad as Clemson was last year, 
they lost by seven points to the eventual national champions in the game where the other team didn't score a single offensive touchdown. They lost by an overtime to NC State. They lost by 10 to Pitt. That was a convincing win. And then after that, you know, they, they, they ran the table the rest of the way. And it wasn't super convincing. But their defense is going to be older, healthier, and really good. With a new defensive coordinator, too. Yes. Who at least showed in the – I mean, he, 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 he impressed me in the bowl game. He okay. did. He impressed me in the bowl game. But even then, Vince, sometimes, especially in the ACC, your talent is so good that you can't screw it up. Sure. Unless you're like just Brian McGorder, and I don't think this guy is that. Right. Right. I get that. And and so, I mean, I, I, you're talking about the best defensive line in college football. Sure. You're talking about a really athletic group of linebackers. You're talking about a, a pretty good secondary. I think their offense is going to be better. I don't think their offense is going to be what it's been in the past. I don't. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that. And I still think I still think Clemson's offense is going to struggle with athletic fronts. Yes, I, I, that and and somebody was mentioned. I think it was Chris Ayers is mentioning the wide receivers that Clemson yeah. had. Of course, they're going to have great wide receivers. They all they they always have for the past ten years, right? But no, not last year. Okay, well that's fair. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I don't right. care who they got on the outside. They got to get them the ball. I'm not trading Clemson's receivers for Notre Dame's right now. Get them the ball. Yeah, right. Okay? And that that's my right. that's my whole point is they got to yeah. get them the ball, and that means yeah. that DJ, who is not very mobile, is going to have, have time to get right. the ball out. Because the question that Chris had is, what position groups does Clemson have a recruiting ranking advantage over Notre Dame on? I don't care. I, Chris, this is this is a fair question. I'm saying like I don't care. I'm not gonna. I don't look at it that way. I don't really care. I care about what are they on the field. And and when I look at Clemson, I don't I don't think their D line is going to be great because Brian Breezy and Miles Murphy were five stars. They're great because when you pop in the film, they're freaking great. You know what I mean? Like they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like their offense is going to be good because DJ was a five star. He's he he's not right. I mean, at least he hasn't shown that in my opinion. Nope. And so to me, when I look at that matchup, I say you know. Well, we'll, we'll the, the question, Chris, I'll tell you, do me one favor, Chris, okay? He asked a question about on paper, has a better overall talent, Clemson or Notre Dame? I'll say Notre Dame by hair. Chris, that's a great question. Can you remember to bring that back later in the summer when we actually focus more on the – we're going to go through and kind of do each of the 12 teams to the, for the most part where we're going to not look at it from a schedule standpoint but really dive into those teams and talk about players and matchups and all that kind of stuff. Because I think that would be a much better time to have that conversation. This isn't so much a matchup discussion as par as more of a big picture. What does this game mean discussion? Because your question is great, Chris. It's just I think we'll let's save that for a future down the road show. And Chris is a regular, so he'll, I'm sure he'll remember that. But I think that's a better time uh, to get there. But like John A. One says, you know, I think Clemson is the only defense that can actually dominate Notre Dame up front. I don't think they can. If Notre Dame's as good as we think they can be they won't dominate Notre Dame. They didn't dominate Notre Dame in 2018 with a great D-line. They didn't dominate Notre Dame up front in 2016 with a great D-line. But what it does, to, to, to John's point, is they can neutralize Notre Dame's dominance at that position, and that's what they did in 2018. That's what they did in 2016. That's what Georgia did in 2017. It's not that Georgia dominated Notre Dame's O-line. They neutralized Notre Dame's dominance, and Clemson's one of the few teams that has that. So – I think this is a big show me game for both teams. You know, if Clemson's undefeated, odds are they're not going to have beaten anybody that's highly ranked. 
I don't see NC State with a home loss to Clemson being super highly ranked. I don't see Florida State being highly ranked. BC, Wake Forest, yeah. they're not. This is going to be a show me game for Clemson. Absolutely, and it's going to be it's going to be a, a show me like okay, Notre Dame, are you legit? Yes, because you beat Ohio State, but you exactly. haven't really beat a ton of great teams late. Are you legit? Or okay, you lost Ohio State. Is this same old Notre Dame where you? Go ten and two and beat all the teams you're supposed to beat, but lose to the others. That's going to be the test. This game, regardless of what happens against Ohio State, because there's going to be plenty of talking heads out there. They're going to dismiss a win against Ohio State as as fluky for Notre Dame because that's just what they're going to do, right? First game, new coaches, blah blah blah. blah. A million excuses. There's going to be a million excuses. Okay, and now you, when you had the Clemson game seven weeks later, I or eight weeks later, excuse me, I think this is where you're going to get people's attention. So let's say they're seven and one. They lost a close game to Ohio state. You know, it's all same old Notre Dame. They can't beat the big boys. And then they beat Clemson. It's gonna be like, Oh, they were, they, they were fully healthy. They had everybody that they needed, blah, 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 blah. Okay. We got to take Notre Dame seriously. If they beat Ohio state and they're undefeated going into the Clemson game, it's still a huge game because now it's going to, those talking heads who made all the excuses are going to be like, well, Okay, Notre Dame is legit. Right. They just beat an undefeated Clemson, and they beat Ohio State. We're going to have to take these guys seriously. Mm-hmm. So that's why, regardless of what happens against Ohio State, I still think this is an absolutely huge game from a national perspective, from a perception perspective, and for this team. Because if they lose to Ohio State and they win the next seven games, okay, that's great. But if they can right. beat Clemson at home, that's a that's huge right. confidence. That's huge yep. for momentum, especially moving into what they've got the rest the, the latter. It's a great half. resume builder. Yes, because Clemson will be ranked, in my opinion. The I, question oh, is, I, are they going to be a top five? Because they're a preseason top five team. I, I haven't done my top twenty five yet. I don't know if I'm going to feel good about putting them in the top five. I, I'm not just assuming Clemson's going to get back on track because right. you can't look at it as those oh, down year, but everybody's back. They're going to be fine. I mean, they they completely remade their coaching staff. And it's either going to be a great success and Dabo's going to win coach of the year because he hired a bunch of guys no one's ever heard of, or it's going to be, okay, you, mm-hmm. it's probably why you probably shouldn't have hired a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't know. So I'm just not jumping. Like, the assumption that a and is going to be great and Clemson's going to be great and all this other stuff. I think we're going to have a top 25 show this summer where we – maybe a couple where we do our top 25, but then also talk about others and who we think is overrated, underrated, maybe part of the same show, whatever. But they're going to be top 10 to 15 for sure, in my opinion. And so, you know, and, 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 you know, Iris one just said, let's hope Clemson is undefeated when we play them hundred percent. And that's the thing is if with the schedule they play, if, if they're at the very least seven and one, I think, what did we count Vince? There was eight games before they played Notre Dame. Yeah, I think like they that. nine games. Let me go. Let me go count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and eight. So they'll be at if they're at bet if we're seven and one, they're going to be a top 20 team in my right. view. Right. So nope. it, it's a chance for a big win and big picture events. Another win over Clemson, especially if it can be a game where you were clearly the better team, like in 2020. Notre Dame outplayed Clemson, but it was more of like they had to build up the big or the big lead and then hold Clemson off. Whereas kind of like, and then you could say, well, you know, Clemson didn't have Trevor, they didn't have Tyler Davis, they didn't have Mike Jones. You know, an excuse is already built in. I mean, right, right. It didn't have Justin Ross. He was out for the no, year. Right, they were legit so. excuses. I mean, right. they were. And then you saw in the rematch what happened. Right, Absolutely. but. 
as long as there's not something like that, if you can win to where it's clear you're the better team, this is a big picture statement game. Because we talk about, remember, you, Lou, Lou and I used to do the thing together, and I don't know if you and him did it together when you worked with him, but we did that tiers conversation. And, we'll, oh, yeah. you know, where's Notre Dame in the tiers? Well, you're not truly in tier one, in, in my opinion, until you win a title. Uh, or you're just consistently, you know, that level. But you're close, you know, Notre Dame's, knocking on the door this could be that thing where you really kick it open and say hey we're here from a recruiting standpoint from a program standpoint where you say hey look that era of that's is behind us that era where we couldn't beat good teams unless there was some mitigating circumstance right Right. and so that's another opportunity to do that because this is a, a Clemson's not Georgia they're not Alabama they're not Ohio State meaning they're not a historical blue blood program. Yes, they've won a title in the past in 1981 with Danny Ford, but they're not considered on the same level historically as Notre Dame, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, programs like that. Can we all agree on that? I think we should all be able to agree on that. Absolutely. So to me, they're teetering on that level of dominance. Their recruiting's not great right now. And and they had that down year to where if they kind of go out this year and get smacked by the only good team that they play, they could fall hard, and now that's one more team that Notre Dame has now ascended in their chase to a championship. So it could be that thing. It's kind of like, is Clemson that 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 heavyweight fighter that's kind of getting a little bit long in the tooth, and the upstart's got a chance to knock him out? And that's what that also game, that game also, to me, uh, signifies that as well. I think it's a yeah. great opportunity for a big-picture victory as well. Yes. And also a big picture, if you lose, it's – you're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's what that game means to me. If you lose this game, that means you probably lost Ohio State. And now no, I wouldn't say that. I don't, I don't, well, it, it just depends on how things are going. I, I, I'll I can't say this one. Whether, whether they, whether they, even if they beat Ohio State, to, to your point, it's still, uh, you had said it earlier. There's mm-hmm. going to be all the excuses first game, blah, blah, sure. blah, blah. And so they're going to, they're then going to harp on the second game. Right that they lost. That's what the focus will be on. Absolutely. Rightfully so. Because if you're, if you're trying to be Bama, Georgia, those teams, you've got to win these type of games, especially at home. You can't say, well, we split with those two teams. No, beat them both. Right. That's the objective. That's the standard. So anyway, that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it. Vince is, is there's big 2022 implications, but there's even more to it than, than just that in this game against Clemson. And that's what makes this, you know, you start the you start the, the third quarter off with arguably the worst team you're going to play, and you could make a case that this is going to be the best team that they play. Now, I think Ohio State's going to be a better team overall, but is Ohio State in week one going to be better than Clemson in week 10? Right? That's what I don't know. Because Clemson's also going to be coming off of a bye. And so they're going to be able to get fresh. And, the, and that's the one thing we've always said. We, we, we give respect to buys if a team is – chance for a team to get healthy and that's what it could be for Clemson so uh that's the question is Ohio State in week one gonna be better than Clemson in week 10 that's the discussion that's the debate in regards to the best team that they play maybe not the highest ranked but the best team that's what we'll find out can you beat that team and it's going to tell us a whole lot about Notre Dame absolutely no that's why the third quarter is really really important to this team and the momentum that they're going to have moving into the fourth quarter which we will be talking about next week so make sure you stay tuned not tuesday one quick note i have so i ended up not having jury duty last time 
uh-huh. because they canceled late and they pushed me back to the the thirty first. So uh-huh. I am right now scheduled for jury duty on Tuesday. So okay. we may we'll figure we may it record out, record a show, yeah, we'll and figure. play it or something else. But it won't be it won't be me live with you. But you we go. will get to it at some point Absolutely. time next week. We got the fourth yeah. quarter coming next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And we have a show tonight as well. Tonight, yes. Thank you for that reminder. Uh, there's a commitment coming. Uh, we're, we're going to track no, that. No, there's a commitment show coming. Well, no, I didn't say co- he's committing somewhere. Yes. There's okay. Commitment coming. Yes. Okay. okay. I just read that as Notre Dame's getting oh, a commitment. Like, hold on now. We're not saying that. I like, didn't okay. say that. I, I, there's a young man who is about to commit someplace and no and irish breakdown will have a show yeah. to talk about that yes. commitment and where yes. he ends up going yes. so that's we'll Jay Lamar, that. the running back out of washington yeah and he is going to commit tonight to somewhere right. uh, notre dame uh, michigan oregon or arizona yep so i do love this uh, first of all thanks for the super chat chris yeah. but he says i still love your example of ohio state was captain american endgame if we beat Ohio State and Clemson, Notre Dame will be like Black Panther walking in next to Ohio State. Then SEC will be like, here we go. And I, I think that's important for Notre Dame. I mean, I think that's important for college football that it's not just Ohio State standing on the edge of the battlefield against this unsurmountable foe that is the SEC. Like you said, it's like, you know, Clemson's got to be whoever you want Clemson to be. Is it Thor? Is it Iron Man? I don't care. Then you've got to have the other, I, I think that's a, a great point. Hopefully, if it, someday, if it's if there is a program that's standing on the edge of of the SEC monstrosity and everybody else is, you know, hopefully Notre Dame can become Captain America. And that, and that, of course, I would have preferred because that's my favorite Marvel character. Marvel character, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that's what I'm hoping that this season can be. Yep, where Notre Dame can become that program. But yes, I I thank you for that super chat. Very, All right, very so make sure you tune in tonight at seven o'clock. That is when that show will kick. We'll off. have a Q and A afterwards as well. Q and A after that one as well, and then of course tomorrow is the biggest Q and A of them all. It's the Friday free for, for all. Week. So make sure you tune in for that one as well. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.